the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee. <laughs> Yes, sir. We're right back at it. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward, here to bring you another edition of the show that brings you the most popular, intriguing guests in the Cleveland sports landscape and uh, discusses the pressing issues that face our favorite sports teams, especially Cleveland Browns. We've got lots to get into tonight. As uh, Garrett signs his extension for $125 million over five years, he will be a Brownsville 2,026. David Njoku, we're going to update you on his status as he asked for a trade. We know about that. That's old news, but where do we stand with that? Odell in an interesting interview. Dak Prescott playing things oddly in Dallas. We're going to take a look at the Madden rankings for your Cleveland Browns. Uh, A lot going on in Washington. We're going to get you update there. And of course, I'll stay on top of the uh, most important topic, NFL football in a pandemic 2020. Can we get it done, NFL? I've got all your updates on the NFL and the NFLPA negotiations. Breaking it down for you here on All Eyes on Cleveland. You start getting excited. There it is. We are back in full effect. All eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward. Uh, I have to apologize from the start if you were uh, anticipating as I was to hear the great uh, G. Bush, Garrett Bush tonight. Uh, He is under the weather, so prayers up for Garrett to feel better. And uh, we have rescheduled with him for next Thursday. Uh, And uh, yeah, so hope that he... Uh, feels better, uh, but you've got me, so hopefully you stick around and listen to it uh, as we're going to break things down for you like nobody else can here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey on the ones and twos behind the glass. Thank you, sir. Doing a spectacular job as usual. You can catch all of the episodes of All Eyes on Cleveland at iTunes, Speaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, TuneIn app, and Google Play will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Groups, the BrownsWire.com, where I write, and our webpage for this very podcast is all eyes on Cleveland.com. Lots of the swag getting out there, t shirts arriving at people's homes. Ken Carmen posting his, LA Broadus posting his. 
Uh, people seem to like the shirts, so that is excellent. Uh, and uh, we will uh, continue to uh, get those out. And uh, you can, of course, go to uh, my uh, Twitter page, which is uh, uh, Ward on Sports on Twitter, and uh, go to T Public and order any of those shirts if you would like. Let's get into tonight's topics. Mikey, you can kill that. Thank you, sir. That was rather abrupt. That was rather abrupt, Mikey. Oh, man! That's okay. We're going to get into it here uh, right away. So um, let's, uh, we've got lots to get into, lots of news, a lot going on. And, of course, the one thing that I've been focused on and trying to make sure that we stay on top of is the negotiations between the NFL and the NFLPA because if they don't get done, we don't get football. Uh, so that's where we're at, and we're going to get to that here um, tonight along with a couple other things along the way. We won't keep you too long. Uh, Garrett, uh, you know, uh, Miles Garrett, Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Miles, Jurassic Park, uh, signs his extension, $125 million, 100 of it guaranteed, uh, 50 right away guaranteed, 100 guaranteed in all in all. Uh, he is the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history, passing Khalil Mack at $25 million a year. Fantastic news for us, no doubt. Now, those of you that have questions about this, because I've heard and listened and paid attention this week to... You know, some people complaining uh, about spending this much money on Miles Garrett. Um, I don't know why you would complain about that. Let's just go over a few things real quickly on this. First of all, edge rusher is the second most important position on the on the field in the NFL today. So you have quarterback, and then it goes edge rusher, right? So your edge rusher getting to the quarterback is is vital. If you're going to win, signing him to this deal makes perfect sense. There's nothing to question here. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing to see here, folks. There's nothing to get upset about or second guess. Yes, I know we are not used to seeing guys sign extensions in Cleveland. The last time I think was Joe Hayden. Um, And we're not used to it, right? So a lot of people second guess this. You know, it's too much money, uh, this, that, the other. No, it's not too much money. He's going to be here, you know, until he's 31 years old, till 2026. He's an absolute savage. He's terrific um, and uh, probably the best edge rusher in the game, or to prove that, he will be the best edge rusher in the game. Still not even at his prime yet. Uh, Loved the video. If you saw it on Twitter, uh, he was on uh, there when he signed his contract and wrote a little note pushed it over to the camera as it read, uh, Cleveland, keep betting on me. World, keep betting against us. Awesome. Love it. Gets me hyped. I'm excited about it. So there's nothing there, really, in my opinion, to see. I think it's a great deal. It was a no-brainer. So five years, $125 million, making him the richest defensive player in the NFL. So uh, cheers to that. I wouldn't second-guess it. Browns are healthy uh, financially. Uh, in a very healthy place cap-wise, not to worry. There will be money to sign the others. I mean, just for example, take a look at what 
Kansas City has done. Uh, Mahomes signs a half a billion dollar deal over 10 years, uh, which ends up actually, you know, strangely being a team friendly deal. But then Chris Jones demanding, uh, you know, in the face of his franchise tag, demanding $20 million a year. They get that done as well. Last time I checked, they had like eight, like nothing. I got it right here. They had like nothing left on their cap room this year. So there's some some gymnastics there, some some salary cap gymnastics by the uh, Chiefs. Of course, at last uh, uh, look, they had $6 million under the cap. 6.2 6.2 under the cap. So so they pulled off those two deals with 6.2 under the cap. There are ways to do this. There are guys that know what they're doing with the salary cap space. You can structure deals in a lot of different ways, front end, back end, payouts, you know, uh, in, um, uh, you know, upfront money uh, as far as signing bonuses that are guaranteed, uh, you can make sure, you know, you, you can get paid a little bit now, more later, vice versa. There's a lot of ways to do this to make it work with the salary cap. Uh, more on the salary cap later as a lot of concern. Still going around the NFL about the 2021 salary cap facing financial losses uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I have more news on that. So there it is. Garrett Bush is a Brown Till 2026, more than likely he'll be 31 when the deal ends. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, who would you want to pay next was the ultimate question tonight that I wanted to ask. Uh, Joby, uh will be a free agent. I think that he should get paid. I don't think he'll be nowhere near as expensive. He'll cost a pretty penny, but he's worth it in my opinion. Uh, I don't think you want to let a young talent like that walk out the door. Nick Chubb will be a hot topic uh, of you know, I asked some people uh, that we've had on the show about what to do with Nick Chubb. As we saw Derrick Henry get his extension, um, I don't know if that's the best way to handle that. You know what I mean? With the way that that running back is in the NFL right now, uh, I think that it. Uh, who was it last? Uh, uh, Tony Pauline may have said this about Chubb. Um, when I asked him, he said that he thought he was a special enough back, um, to, uh, sign to an extension. Uh, and then, you know, Jonathan Peterland of 92.3, the fan said that he thought that the Browns would approach this with, with is pretty common with a running back, which is, pardon me, pretty common with a running back with maybe, uh, addressing that with the franchise tag. Uh, so that is something that is available as well where you are keeping him as a Brown uh, and uh, using him because he's terrific, right? We know Nick Chubb is terrific. And then at the same time, uh, not committing to him long-term because we know what happens to those deals. Uh, Zeke upset in Dallas uh, because he's not getting the respect. uh, Said, put some respect on my name, he said. Put some respect on my name, Zeke said. So I don't know what he's talking about there. I mean, certainly the statistics are there, but uh, the proof is in the pudding that he hasn't been the same back he was earlier in his career. So that's something uh, to keep an eye on. He's in a little bit of denial there. Uh, Moving forward here, as you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward, uh, a quick hitter edition here tonight. Uh, No guest as uh, G. Bush is on the mend, uh, and we'll get him back 
uh, for a uh, another visit with us. But uh, there are things to talk about, certainly um, with the Browns in the NFL right now. A lot of lot going on here. So um, Odell Beckham Jr. in an interview. Uh, with Cam Newton, Tide Gurley, and Victor Cruz, who served as sort of the host. It's uh, the interview is called "The Bigger Picture." It can be found on Odell's uh, YouTube page, um, and uh, it was an interesting, interesting interview. Uh, if you've seen it, um, Odell sounds good. He sounds like he's in a good mental place. Uh, you know, the quote that came out of it for most people is, you know, he took off his hat. He said, the blonde's back. You can't tell me nothing. Uh, so uh, interesting. Uh, Cam with some interesting comments about being unemployed uh, and then now going to the Patriots, which is obviously an interesting topic in itself. Uh, Todd Gurley there uh, as well with some comments. You know, Odell is feels like he's healthy and feels like um he made some comments about touch you know i i want to get the the touches the x amount of touches i want to be thrown to the ball this amount of times you know hypothetical numbers but you know and, and just and just kill it he said and just kill um and that's kind of like where he feels that he's at at this point um and you know, he's due for that type of a season. Um, it'll put the Browns in a weird cap position with him and, and Landry, etc. because you're going to have to make a decision on uh, who you pay out there and playmaker-wise. But uh, if they can all coexist, great. But somebody is going to get the short end of the deal as far as uh, distribution of the ball this year, I think. Um, maybe Kareem Hunt. Uh, maybe... You know, maybe they just focus on on Odell, Landry, Chubb, and um, and the tight end play, and and you don't have a problem. So it, it's interesting, something to keep an eye on. Um, something Stefanski was asked about uh, that he was actually admitted when he was asked that question uh, by Aditi Kikawala of NFL uh, Network that he was talking about it that day, he made some sort of joke or reference to his office being bugged. But, yeah, he was talking that day about distributing the ball. I mean, that's going to be a tall task in this offense and something certainly to keep your eye on. And Odell is is well aware that he should get touches. He feels like he's 100%, uh, feels like he's in a good place mentally. We've heard this before, though, okay? But we know that physically he's probably in a better place uh, than he's been in a couple years, and that's what he kind of said in the interview there, and that was my main takeaway uh, from that. Uh, we are going to get to some Madden rankings here, which will be a little bit fun. We can look at uh, as the Browns' top 10 Madden rankings got released. You can see those at thebrownswire.com, uh, where uh, Jeff Risden so kindly uh, uh, publishes our podcast every Friday morning. Um, but, yeah, certainly... Um, you can uh, go check that out there. But we're going to take a look at the uh, leaks there on the Browns' top 10 ranked players in Madden 21. Um, and uh, But I want to talk first 
before we get into uh, the the key things here, which are tonight main topics of interest, and we'll just kind of boom, boom, let's lay them out here. I wanted to cover the Odell stuff, the Njoku, the Garrett, but the main things going on, um, obviously, NFL, NFLPA, where are we at with that? Tony Pauline was a terrific guest. He had inside information. We've been following it closely. If you've been following the Browns Wire, you know I've written several times trying to keep the, this stuff updated. It's changing every day because they're on the phone every day. So I've got an update tonight. There's some interesting aspects to this as it seems they are getting closer. We're going to take a close look at that. We're going to kind of, I don't want to dive in completely to the to the Redskins drama right now. Pardon me, they're not going to be the Redskins anymore. I shouldn't even, I don't even like saying the name. The Washington drama, uh, you know, the Red Tails or the Warriors or whatever they're going to be. But Dan Snyder is greasy. Uh, he's a scumbag. And uh, it's all coming out on, oh, on man. right now. No doubt. Oh, man. He is a, uh, he's a piece of shit, really. And uh, it's, it's coming out now um, as this Washington Post article that they've been asking to release is released here tonight. And uh, boy, oh, boy, it is, it's not pretty. Um, however, 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 uh, it, the stuff that was getting leaked on Twitter today as far, as far as what was going on in the building, not in the article, so... Uh, we got a little bit of one side overextending and people saying they know things that may, weren't actually maybe not true or can't be proven. Uh, we'll get to that. I'll, I'll kind of go through some of the allegations we heard in the day as they are out there, and then we'll look at what actually is going on uh, as they have preemptively sh- kind of uh, started to try to cover this up by hiring an attorney to do uh, an investigation on themselves as I'm getting into this too much right now. Uh, so Washington, the NFL, those are the two key issues going on with the league and everything right now. We're going to get to that, uh, mainly the NFL and the NFLPA. Stick around. That's intriguing stuff, as they did make some progress today. But uh, before we do that, let's jump over here and uh, take a look at some Madden rankings yes the madden rankings now i don't play madden like i used to Um, but intriguing stuff here certainly the one thing i found that was somewhat intriguing about this is you can't find a Baker Mayfield uh, ranking anywhere. Nowhere. You can't find it anywhere. So I I believe I read that he was an 86 to start last year after his terrific rookie year, uh, which is pretty high quarterback ranking, I think, for the game. And then uh, ended the year at a 76. Quite a fall from grace uh, when it comes to Madden as they, you know, continually update uh, how you're doing throughout the season. And uh, 
So a little bit of a fall off there for him. Um, and, uh, we, you know, I can't find anywhere where he would be ranked at this point. So uh, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, we will keep our eye on that uh, as to see what he is ranked. I would imagine it's probably, what do you think? I would say probably maybe like 80. I can't imagine it being, maybe like an 81. I doubt they throw him in the 70s. I don't know. I mean, he's better than that. They got to know that, right? Um, that a lot of what happened last year was not, at least in my opinion, was not his fault. So what, that, that's an interesting one to keep an eye on is when that we get that Baker, Mayfield, and Madden ranking. Now, I've heard before, and I heard it in an interview on another show at one point, it may have been Browns Daily, uh, Nathan Zagura, friend of show, uh, came on our show, did a great job, but, um, you know, you can listen to him every day with Bo Bishop, and, and they... They're great, but they, they had the Madden guy on who who is, like, in charge of these rankings, and he said he, he gets, they get players lobbying. Like, if they're not happy with their grade, they will lobby, send tape, ask them to re-look at their rankings. So, I mean, players really do care about this stuff and often get pissed. I heard Pat McAfee say he was pissed a few times when he was young about his ranking. Uh, and, uh, but guys reach out, they, they want it right, you know, my speed is this, are you kidding me with my hands, like, you know what I mean, like, my hands are better than that, and you, da 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 da, da. they'll plead their case to the Madden guys, and they will actually go re-look at tape or evaluations that they have, and, and, and adjust a player's total overall score, which is somewhat intriguing. Uh, Mikey agrees, nodding over here. So uh, let's start with uh, the Browns. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, the Browns' uh, lowest-ranked player in the top 10 of their 10 players that got leaked here, as I have a list of uh, the 10 players that got leaked for the Browns, and uh, their t- which is their top 10 rankings. Um, and then we also have... Uh, some of the overall rankings, like the the 99 club, four guys got ranked 99. Bet you could guess who they are. I disagree with one of them wholeheartedly, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute here. So at 81 overall, uh, Sheldon Richardson. Um, so EA Sports ranks Richardson 81 overall. To me... Uh, low, very low. I would have had him at like uh, 84, 85. I like Sheldon's game a lot. I think he had a uh, terrific season. Uh, he's going to be great this year. Um, even with his emerg- emerging role with the Browns at times, playing the edge even, uh, and getting to the quarterback successfully, I really like Sheldon Richardson, and I think an 81 is shortchanging him for sure. As we proceed um, to look at the ninth-ranked Browns player, Olivier Vernon with an 82 overall. It feels okay for me. Um, 
I, I can't argue with that. I, I really can't. I don't have a huge issue with that. Jarvis Landry was 85 overall. Um, considering he was lower, according to Josh Keatley, who wrote this article for us and was also a friend of the show, has been on the show, uh, he that he was um, an 84 last year. He gets an a bump to 85 after a, a really good um, season um, numbers-wise. Uh, Joel Petonio at 86. Uh, see, I would have Joel, I would have expected to see Joel at like 89. I think that's shortchanged. Um, Denzel Ward at 86 as well. Is that fair, you think? I, I think that's fair. I think if he plays well, you'll see him rise quickly in the numbers. You know, he's a better overall player than an 86, certainly. Or his potential is better than that. But where you would have him going into the season, I don't have a problem with 86. Um, So pretty uh, accurate there. They've got Kareem Hunt at 87. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, I wouldn't... I find that to be surprising that he's that high at this point. With a lack of touches and playing time, I guess they just feel that, you know, without being on the field and and uh, still taking advantage of the opportunities, how can you drop a guy, right? Um, I, I understand that point of view. Um, Austin Hooper at 89, totally okay with that. That seems That seems fine. Uh, that seems good. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. at a 91 overall. Um, that seems a little low from physical, like his physical traits are better than that. You would go, you know, it goes speed, uh, acceleration, strength, uh, agility, and carry are like your top five offensive, you know, measurables. And when you look at this, you see that, um, right away you can see that, you know, his speed acceleration should be top-notch. Strength is up there as a wide receiver. Agility way up there. And carry, carry I mean, I guess that would hurt him a little, but they all, all of them combined, you should have a higher score, I would think closer to like a 93 or a 94. I mean, he still put up a thousand yards last year in a injury year, uh, the second or third time he's done that in his career. So I, I don't like that ranking very much, but got to prove it, right? Uh, that brings us to our final two, and you can guess who they are: the two best football players on the Browns, Nick Chubb with a ninety-two overall. Um, is that that's that's fair? It puts him as the uh, third highest back tied with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, He's rated higher than Delvin Cook and Saquon Barkley. Uh, So I think that's fair. Speed 92, acceleration 91, strength 85, agility 83. I would think his, his agility would be a little bit higher than that. Uh, he uh, makes people miss more than expected for a guy his size. Carry 94, so steady with the ball for a 92 overall score. 
Uh, and then the guy that you would think that uh, would get the highest score does get it, Miles Garrett at a 93, and I'm okay with that. Um, anything in the 90s is really good. If you look at what the game has done here, they have, let's go over their top players. So for Madden, they're the 99 club, they call it. So they have, I apologize, they have three guys at 99, one at 98. Aaron Donald, 99. I agree, right? That's that's valid. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 99. I can dig it. Patty, Patty Mahomes, 99, for sure. J.J. Watt, 98. Is he still a 98, do we think? Now, I may be a little biased here, because I've lately not been a big J.J. Watt fan, and I know he's a great guy, and he's a philanthropist and everything, but... He's been pissing me off in this NFL and FLPA. I mean, he just wants to throw a wrench in everything, but doesn't have anything to do with his play on the field. They got him at a 98. Okay. Do we think he's better than Khalil Mack at this point, who they have at 97? Uh, I mean, J.J. Watt hasn't played very much, has he? He's getting up there a little bit, isn't he? I, I don't know. I, I That's... I don't know about that. Uh, I would have Cleo Mack, I think. Uh, I might have those switched or swapped. Swami Samsonite. Uh, Von Miller at a 97. Cameron Jordan of uh, Edge from the um, Saints at 96. Fletcher Cox, 96. Calais Campbell. uh, Ravens just pick up stud after stud. With a 95 overall in the game. Chandler Jones, a 95 overall in the game for the Cardinals. He's an underrated player. I think uh, that 95 score is there. Lamar Jackson, 94. Derrick Henry, 93. And a shocking score here. Drew Brees at 93. Drew Brees at 93. He can't even throw it 30 yards down the field anymore. I get it. He's accurate. Like, he's money, but he is, at this point, a product. His success is very much a product of what Sean Payton does in that offense. I mean, he cannot throw the long ball anymore. The arm is gone. The accuracy is still there, but 93, more like 80, 87 or 6, that's... I get it. He's he's great. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, but uh, Breeze at 93. Ugh. So there it is. There's your Madden rankings. Kind of an interesting take as they do spend a lot of time uh, evaluating those players, coming up with those scores. We're going to take a quick, real quick break. Come back. We're going to hit the key topics tonight. I'm going to get you out of here. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. I hope you enjoy. Uh, We'll be back very quickly.
doing big things. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Mikey on the ones and twos. Dak Prescott. This is this story is just uh, out there. Um, so Dak Prescott could not come to in, in the Dallas Cowboys could not come to terms. Uh, efforting Shane Carter to comment on this tonight, but um, I've lost with that here uh, tonight. But uh, Dak Prescott uh, could not come to a long-term deal with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, so he will take the franchise tag, which will pay him thirty-one point four million dollars this year which next year then leaves him to either be a free agent or make 37.7 million dollars under the franchise or transition tag so um at this point Dallas is in a tough spot because you had your chance now to go ahead and sign him to the long-term deal, right? But when you get past this point and it goes all the way up to 37 mil next year, now you're talking, I mean, so like the last, it's rumored that the last offer they offered him was in the range of 33 to $35 million a year. For five years. Now, the discrepancy here is supposedly the years where Prescott wanted a four-year deal. Dallas wanted to give him a five. They offered him, strangely enough, what sounds like, if you max that out, right, say they gave him 35 for five. That would have given him $175 million over five years. He didn't want the five years. Now, if you remember about a month ago, and I tweeted this out today, Chris Sims reported that he was offered $175 million for five years and turned it down. Schefter quickly debunked him. Other guys came out of the woodwork to say that he was full of it and his sources were wrong and they knew nothing of the sort. Basically slammed my boy Chris Sims. Well, I'll be damned. Here we are when it's all over. And that final offer sure looks like five years, $175 million to me. And he didn't take it. So what was he wrong about? Nothing. He was right. He was right. He was just ahead of everybody. Um, either way, $35 million a year five years he doesn't want the five years so they don't want to do it for four so he settles with this franchise tag so now when it goes up to 37.68 next year are they gonna be i mean what's the point and then at that point turning around and trying to negotiate a three or four year deal for 40 million dollars a year i mean i guess if he balls out completely there's a misnomer about Dak Prescott. Like a lot of people, I hear, I keep hearing, oh, he's not, you know, he's a franchise quarterback, but he's not 
great. He's not great. He's played at a high level. I mean, he's top five, seven quarterbacks in the league. Gotta be. Pay the man. Pay the man. This is a mistake by Dallas. Uh, I, I don't know what they're thinking here because what happens then? This is the cheapest you could have got him. Uh, if they if they tag him again, um, he goes to, like I said he goes to thirty seven six eight and say after that then you're in for the awful option of uh, more than forty five million dollars under a transition tag or uh, if you kept him on the franchise tag he would go to over. $54 million, you'd be making more than Patty Mahomes in just three years at this rate. So, very possible that he goes to the open market, and thanks to a good friend of the show, Jimmy Shapiro, over at www.betonline.ag, sends us this stuff all the time. Uh, we have the Dak Prescott team in week one of 2021 so who will he be the quarterback for to start the uh 2021 season best odds i know you're guessing right now best odds at six to one the indianapolis colts seven to one chicago bears makes a little sense eight to one vikings Nine to one Jaguars, nine to one Chargers, nine to one Saints. Don't they have Winston and their uh, Swiss Army knife guy over there? I mean, I don't know. Raiders, ten to one Steelers. 10 to 1. I hate to see that on here. Other interesting numbers. The New England Patriots at 12 to 1. Bengals at 20 to 1. Weird. Uh, Tennessee Titans at 14 to 1. Panthers at 12 to 1. I mean, those are the highlights. Washington at 10 to 1. A lot of those make sense up, up front. The Saints at 9 to 1 is weird to me. Uh, the Colts at 6 to 1. I guess, maybe. Um, really depends on what Philip Rivers does, right? I don't go out on a limb here and say that I don't think Philip Rivers has a great year in Indianapolis. I don't. We'll see. They To me, they're like, with him at quarterback, they're like uh, an eight and eight, nine and seven team. Does that get him in? I don't know, but it, it, it's not. They're not going. They're not winning anything. You know what I mean? They're not terrible, but they're not winning anything. I mean, he hurt the Chargers more than helped them last year. So, what do they expect is going to change in Indianapolis? Anyways, interesting. Stuff with Dak and interesting choices uh, by Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. 
So let's get into this Washington stuff. We won't spend a long time on it because it's it's just uh, feels filthy just even talking about it here. But uh, so uh, our guy here um, in Washington. Well, first of all. It was declared by uh, Washington President Bruce Allen in October that the team's culture actually is damn good. Uh, So, and that's being called into question now. Now, it was supposed to, this story was supposed to release uh, on Dan Snyder and the culture that has been created in the Washington front office Earlier in the week, didn't release. It was supposed to come out by the Washington Post. Didn't come out from the Washington Post uh, today like it was supposed to uh, this morning. But it came out tonight. So, let's take a look. This is interesting here. Let's take a look at the difference in the allegations that wildly have been spread across Twitter. Here are some of the allegations. Washington owner... Now, I'm not saying these are untrue. I'm just saying... This is what people claimed were going to be in the article and everything like that, right? Uh, Washington owner Dan Snyder abuses both alcohol and drugs. He has paid off officials. Uh, Some refs allegedly having made $2 million off Snyder. Also alluding to other owners doing similar things. Allegedly, Snyder and former coach Jay Gruden, brother of John Gruden, held their cheerleaders' passports from them in a foreign country in order to force them to solicit themselves to season ticket holders. Snyder also allegedly held nude photo shoots of the Washington cheerleaders. Are you serious? Uh, Snyder and Gruden allegedly held sex parties with rampant drug usage and uh, potentially some sexual assaults. Source also stated that Jay Gruden and former running back Capri Bibbs were at one time sleeping with the same woman. Gruden found out, got angry, benched Bibbs. The next game, Bibbs replacement missed a key block that resulted in quarterback Alex Smith suffering a broken leg. Smith had uh, 17 surgeries and hasn't been able to play since. So basically, they are trying to draw a uh, imaginary line from Jay Gruden's uh, sexual habits to the end of Alex Smith's career. A bit of a stretch. Uh, lawyers are involved, uh, also reported uh, today uh, by other sources who I don't know if they know what they're talking about, but according to this article, seem far-fetched, but potentially the FBI. So then the article comes out. The article is about 15 women who claim to have been sexually harassed uh, by while during their time working for the Redskins. So uh, this much-anticipated Washington Post expose uh, gets published, um, and, and it details basically widespread sexual harassment within the organization. Uh, It goes on to describe women who worked for the franchise. Um, Quote, they cried about the realization of their dream job of working in the NFL. Uh, Came with what they 
characterized as relentless sexual harassment and verbal abuse that was ignored and in some cases condoned by top team executives. Uh, the interesting part here is also named in the article are two employees that were recently fired, Director of Pro Personnel Alex Santos and Director of Pro Personnel Richard Mann II, but they're, they're radio guy. They're the voice of Washington football, Larry Michael. Uh, had who just uh, announced it, abruptly announced that he was leaving the team this week, uh, say that uh, he was accused of sexual harassment. Larry Michael, the voice of Washington, ladies. Probably not very funny. Uh, also uh, named in the article, I uh, did that, uh, Dan Snyder refused to be interviewed. Um... No kidding. So Snyder there in the midst of uh, the name change, which at this point seems imminent, imminent, pardon me, uh, that they will be changing their name. um, And uh, they hope to do so in the coming days before the season starts. But as far as what Washington is doing right now, the interesting part of this is that they hired an attorney, Beth Wilkinson, to review the organization's protocols, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So she's expected to conduct a deep dive into the organization's past culture. They're trying to frame this as past acts, basically, and really that's a long shot probably too. Uh, Wilkinson um, confirmed that she is there to do an independent review of the team's culture policies and allegations of workplace misconduct. So... Before, basically, the FBI or the NFL could send in their investigator, uh, Dan Snyder hired uh, this woman to come in, uh, a lawyer to come in and um, do their own review, call it an independent review, and maybe see if they can cover some of this up. Uh, but it's not a truly independent review. That will only occur when the league sends someone in. So it's a good try, maybe, I guess. But something serious we know to the level of sexual harassment is going on with Washington. Um, They hired this outside lawyer uh, with the quote-unquote goal of conducting an investigation, but basically, of trying to control and minimize damage, damage control, right? Damage control. Uh, And that's what will come of that. Um, And then, basically, uh, the NFL, in the end of this, very may likely, and I would guess at this point, force Dan Snyder out if, uh, if this comes to fruition as it, Looks like it's heading that way. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, the podcast. You can go to www.alleyesoncleveland.com or where all popular podcasts are found to listen to the show. Uh, Sorry again for uh, G. Bush feeling under the weather. Garrett Bush of 92.3 The Fan, our guest tonight, uh, under the weather, not able to join us. Uh, but we appreciate you hanging around, uh, me and Mikey do, and listening to to us anyways. As we get to the meat and potatoes of the show here tonight, 
uh, as we're going to kind of dive into where we stand with the NFL and the NFLPA, as I have reported on this closely uh, ever since my interview with Tony Pauline and uh, have been following it, and we're going to update that uh, now. Uh, well, after uh, I uh, grab the paper here and Mikey plays some tunes to bring us back in. down here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Hope you've enjoyed the show tonight. J.J. Watt uh, tweeted today, said we want to play, we want to play, but then brought up basically these are the things that we're not satisfied on as far as answers go from the NFL. We're we're talking NFL, NFLPA. They've been on the phones all week, working together, trying to hammer this out. As time is of the essence here, with reporting dates for all 32 teams just uh, around. I mean, what eight days away for rookies to report to camp. So that's where we're at with this. Like, this has to happen. Um, and uh, so he he put in his tweet. Now, this is uh, – some of this has changed since then, and we're going to go over that. So this is the probably – in all the literature that I've read on this, the, they keep talking about this infectious disease response plan. I mean, really what that is, in case of an outbreak, uh, what is the plan? to make sure that the players are safe. And uh, with until the NFL does that, the NFLPA has threatened to maintain a maximum of 20 players um, allowed in the building. So they won't, they're not going to sign off on 20, more than any more than 20 players at one time simultaneously allowed in a facility until they have this uh, IDER plan uh, in place and signed off on. And the NFL is yet to do that. So that's, that is a sticking point and a big, big part of this. He wrote about preseason games. That is... I think we may have some resolution on testing frequency going to be a big issue, but I think I know where that's going. Um, and then positive tests during the season. And I think we have resolution on that. So, um, of all the topics, and he names these four or five that are a holdup for him, it looks like we may have resolution on a couple of them. 
First of all, let's go over what we know here from today. Uh, no fans at training camp at all. However, all teams will be allowed to have two events in their stadium with fans pending local and state guidelines. So whatever the guidelines are going to be for fans in the stands, here, here we go, pending local and state uh, guidelines. So this is where we we get this. Uh, you're going to get a rulings on all these different stadiums on 20%, 30%, 40%, whatever capacity they're going to be allowed to have fans in there. But they are allowed to have up to two fan-attended events. Other than that, no fans at all at training camp for any team, period. Preseason has been a hang-up in these conversations. The NFL had reduced to two games. The players want none. Now, here's why they want none, and it makes sense, okay? the They called it in prior uh, literature the this acclimation period that they're concerned with. And they should, and they have a right to be, because what essentially is happening here is the same thing that happened in the uh, lockout year, 2011, I believe, when teams came back without any OTAs or physical conditioning. It was all based on what they did on their own, right? Just like this year. Came back to camp, and injuries spiked by 25% that year. Uh, That's a real fear that the NFLPA has to worry about. So, what do the preseason games do? They force a faster ramp up physically. So, like, they want to come in, do conditioning, get, uh, you know, get in some, you know, playbooks, meetings, whatever, uh, get out on the field, do a lot of walkthrough, install stuff, no pads, no helmets for, like, maybe, like, four, five, six weeks before they get into the pads and everything and then slowly bring that upon and then, you know, get get them close to game shape and then week one. And, and they, there was actually a plan laid out by the NFLPA of a 48-day plan that involved no preseason games that they had laid out. Now, that doesn't look like what's what's going to happen is it, it looks like they may come to common ground on one uno game one preseason game now the word on this is if they can set up a game where you don't have to fly they're going to do it so for the browns it might be the great lakes classic or uh maybe cincinnati uh Pittsburgh, whatever. I mean, those are in-division games, so that's kind of weird. I mean, those are your closest proximity a lot of times. But maybe Detroit, they're going to limit travel. The hard ones are Seattle and Denver because they're kind of out in no man's land, and those are probably going to require flights to get them to a game or or get uh, another team to their facility. But it, it does look like they may have an agreement on one preseason game which is a big step. The other aspect of these negotiations, which we have come to tonight, um, 
and this is really big, uh, is, and, and then I'll get to another thing that I talked a lot about yesterday or a couple days ago in an article that you can find at uh, the Browns Wire when I was updating all this stuff, but, and that's the opt-outs. And opt-outs is still going to be a sticking point. But uh, the concern, as J.J. Watt pointed out in his tweet, is what were they going to do with uh, players that test positive during the season? Concerned about pay, benefits, etc. All those things are concerns, right? So if you recall when I had Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network on the show, and he broke news that morning and then came on our show and was you know, nice enough to do the same thing uh, with us, um, he came on and uh, said that there was going to be, what he had heard is there was going to be what they called an NFI, non-football injury list, that would have a set-aside amount that would pay each player if they tested positive for COVID-19. They would stay on that list for two weeks. Two positive or tests would be required for them to return, but it wouldn't be like uh, the IR, right, which is what they want to avoid. So uh, now what they have come to terms on or will be voted on tomorrow, it sounds like, for sure, uh, but what's it? Sorry, reading uh, reading my phone. Here we go. So, um, it appears that the players that test positive in season uh, will go on to a specialized, so it sounds like what Tony talked about, the NFI, and they don't bring up a name in this, but this is what is being reported, uh, that they will change the IR rules, so the injured reserve rules, to create a COVID-19 classification. Sounds like the NFI, right? But they didn't call it that, so... We don't know if they're going to call it that or whatever, but it's going to be a COVID-19 classification to change the rules of, of injured reserve to allow this. Uh, if a player tests positive, they will go on the COVID-19 list, whatever they call that. Um, maybe the non-football injury list, and then Tony would have really nailed it, but they will uh, go on to this list for three weeks. The players on the COVID-19 list will be paid their regular salary. Huge, huge thumbs up. Good get for the players here. After three weeks, if they cannot return to play, they will be forced to do one of three things. The regular IR, the active roster, which which we said just said, so if they can return to the active roster or they have to go to the regular IR, or if they are released with an injury settlement would probably be basically the point at that point. If, like, they weren't going to play again the rest of the year, they were going to be released by the team, they would have to pay some sort of injury settlement, but not ideal there, but that's the three 
outcomes at the end of the three weeks. Now, the majority of the time, three weeks, you're going to have positive tests. The player can return to his team and go on, and that's what they're hoping for here. And while they're gone and being quarantined and treated and then tested, they're going to be paid their regular salary. Huge win for the players. While this is happening, uh, while they're on that uh, COVID-19 list, the team can replace that player with a healthy player. So practice squad, sign somebody off the street, whatever it is, they can move a, a player onto the roster, and uh, there, there you will have it. He'll be on there, uh, and uh, this will avoid what many fear, and I have looked at as an issue, as multiple positive tests causing a collapse in a roster, right? This, the way this is set up, that would avoid that. Um, so that is excellent. The way that this uh, keeps the roster strong. So player COVID-19, okay, that's unfortunate. You're on the list. Healthy player comes in. Next man up. He's out for three weeks, but he's paid full benefits, then can return to the team when he's uh, three weeks are out over and he gets his positive tests uh, so, or ne- negative tests. Pardon me. So I keep saying, I've probably been saying positive for negative and vice vice versa, but either way, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so, oh, man! But th- that's good news. So the one preseason game, the COVID-19 list as a resolution to what happens to players that test positive is outstanding. The things that are going to be held up here are this IDR. I-D-E-R, pardon me. So remember that. Infectious Disease Response Plan. The the NFL, by this point, should have put something in place and should be getting it signed off on. A lot of this stuff is going to go to owners uh, tomorrow, and a lot of this is going supposed to be, more importantly than uh, owners, that may have been today, but more importantly, this stuff's going to get voted on tomorrow, okay? A lot of it. So, major holdups, testing. The players want testing every day. The NFL proposed every other day. Technology, science could really do us a favor here with some advancement and rapid response testing that would really allow teams to keep the field virus-free. So rapid response testing that you take in the morning and have an answer in an hour or two could really, really help the NFL along here in making sure that the virus doesn't get on the field. Um, by doing the testing, at, and even without that, if by doing the testing at the right time, Thursday, set game day, or Thursday, day before game day, if the, if the technology's not there, negative tests, 
Nobody on that field with a positive test. Create your own bubble on the grass, on the turf. Nobody in the locker room, nobody on the field with a positive test. This is how it can be done. This is how we can have football. Don't expect much from the fans. Maybe scatterings of fans. Maybe lows level only. We we don't know. You know, some teams have come out and said 20%, 30%. That's going to be a fluid situation. Because as things change, which they will, they with this virus, we know things are going to change. Those things will change. Protocols that the state and the local government enforces in these cities where NFL teams are located is going to change. So as the season goes, some of that may change. But if we want to see football, mainly as a TV show, right, the testing is huge. I don't think, personally, the players asking to be tested every day is that far-fetched. I don't see why the NFL would die on that hill. So, we'll see what happens with the testing, what proposal, uh, they, what they say to the proposal of testing every day should be voting on these things tomorrow. The other holdup you're going to really, I think, that's probably even going to be a bigger sticking point, besides the IDER plan, which should be easy enough to put in place for the NFL. I mean, you've got, like, top-notch science dudes that know what they're talking about with this disease. They can put a plan in place so that players feel safe in the circumstance of an outbreak, right? Like here's what we're here's what we do. Here's how we respond to that so that it doesn't get out of control. Basically, the IDER. Remember that. The testing. Remember that. And then the big one I think is going to be the opt-outs. So the opt-outs are basically at this point I think that the league it's fine. Like, at first they were like, no opt-outs. Nope, not going to happen. Nobody's opting out. They realized, obviously, quickly that that can't be the case with this virus. It's a pandemic. You can't force someone, you know, to do this. So, but here's what the players want, and it's a little, ugh, this is where I get worried a little bit. Players want, if they were to opt out, and they can opt out really basically the way it reads or the proposal reads is if their family has any kind of uh, immune deficiency history or they are at a higher risk for any reason in their family, they can opt out. But also if they are just concerned, I mean, basically the language says if they are concerned for their own health, they can opt out. So really anybody in the freaking league can opt out. So 
the way it's written, it's pointless to lay out all these reasons why you can opt out. Just say anybody can opt out, you know, because that's how it reads. It the on the last, the last option is it basically if you're concerned for your health, you can opt out. So, boom, you can opt out if you want. You don't have to play this year. A couple interesting things here with this: players want their base salary and an accrued season, even if they opt out. So, Nick Chubb, not going to opt out. Not a big deal, or not, I don't think at least, right? But say he did. Say Ogan Joby opt out, opted out, and they agreed to this. He gets his full salary, and that he's a free agent. And the Browns just lost there a year with, with him. I don't know about that. I don't know what the league is. I mean, I, I feel like the players got to give something on that. Maybe the accrued season. Um, also, they want their salary to be paid in full and fully guaranteed if they play in one game. So if they get to week one, Week one goes, and say the rest of the season, whatever, gets canceled for whatever reason, they get paid as if they played 16 games. Woo-wee! This is tough stuff. This is tough stuff. They're playing hardball here with this opt-out plan, and I don't know what the league is going to do about that. So that is something... um, that should be paid close attention to attention to here is a very interesting fact surrounding the opt-outs that uh i found in in some of the stuff i was reading if a rookie chooses to opt out so say a rookie doesn't want to play 2020 he's going to opt out He doesn't need to opt out. He simply does not sign his contract with that team. Now, for Browns fans, great news. They've signed all the rookies. No worry there. Not that it was a concern. Not that this will even come to fruition in any way, but just an interesting point, okay? They cannot sign a contract with the team that drafted them and sit out the 2020 season, and they would be re-entered into the NFL draft next year, according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. What the hell is that about? That makes no sense. Um, Really, truly makes no sense. So, player or rookie opts out, then that team, or doesn't sign their contract that team just got screwed out of a draft pick are they going to be compensated anyway i don't know something to keep your eye on not that i think this will happen but it could it could happen you may have a rookie that has opt out in mind what what the hell happens to i mean they go to. They gonna go to the combine again? Are they gonna? I mean, what if their draft stock falls? What if it goes up? I mean, these are things that are gonna need to be thought about by the player, by the team, everybody. Team's gonna get screwed in this deal. 
But, I mean, there's got to be a better rule than this, right? Then, then they go back into the draft? I don't know. That seems really ass-backwards, especially with the possibility of no college football and or whatever and the, what those kids are going to have to do decision-wise. Think about college football players. If somebody tells you you're a fifth-round grade right now in the NFL draft, Think about how many college football players aren't even on the draft board or wouldn't be drafted until they play their junior or senior year. These are life-changing decisions people are going to have to make. And there's no turning back. I mean, I guess... You could do the whole no agent thing. That's a basketball thing, though. I mean, so you're talking like a a kid in college plays his sophomore year. He's got a fifth-round grade. Does he decide? He has to decide whether he, without playing a whole year of football, if he's going to go into the draft or come back and try to play another year. There's injury. I mean, it's the same decision that's made – Every year when a kid leaves early or whatever, it's just amplified by this virus and by the situation that could come down if there's no college football, if there's no NFL football. Now, knock on wood, I think, I don't know about college football. I think the NFL will play. I've said that from the start. I'm optimistic. I've been more cautiously optimistic, but today I'm optimistic. I feel like they've made some ground up. We're going to get a vote. It may not be. I'm hoping it's on time. It's possible. Them coming up with some proposals and meeting each other halfway on a couple issues today was huge. So they could do it on time, but it might get pushed back. A little bit, just to finalize all this stuff. But I see them getting started for sure. And I think if they can get started and implement these things with the cooperation of the players, which is important to remember that the NFL and the NFLPA just signed a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement, during the pandemic back in February. January, whenever it was, they signed this. The NFL does not need sign-off from the Players Association to implement rules and protocols for a 2020 season with the players' health in their best interest. Now, the reason they're doing it is because they know they need total buy-in. They know they need this will be impossible without the players cooperating at a 100% level. This is going to take cooperation A to Z. And and the owners know that. So that is, uh, I mean, pardon me, the league knows that. Um, so that is important to remember 
they can force, not force, they can implement this July 28th report to camp date, regardless of any of this. But what I've been told and heard is that the Players Association will have a grievance ready, basically, that'll say that uh, reporting and under these circumstances and these rules does not have their health in, the league doesn't have their health in best, best interest. And by filing that grievance, they basically can delay it. And the league knows that as well. So in a roundabout way, they just need their cooperation. They need their buy-in. They know it. And that's why these negotiations are are, are going all in like this. Um, and uh, I think they're, clo- they're getting closer, though. And I think that both sides want to play, and and there's so much money. In the end, money talks. In the end, there's so much money at stake. We're talking billion-dollar industry here. There's so much money at stake. They're going to at least try, and they're going to try hard. So... That's why I'm optimistic. Followed this closely. Hopefully that's all made sense to you today. Remember, key sticking points at this point, really, in my opinion, testing the IDER, which is basically your outbreak plan that needs to be implemented by the league's doctors and advisors and medical advisors and all that, and then signed off on by the players. Why they don't have that yet, I don't know what they're waiting for. Uh, But that, the testing, each day, every other day, we don't know yet. We know what players want every day. Um, And the opt-out. Players are asking for a lot in the opt-out. I get the opt-out of your season and and maybe uh, base salary because you can't really penalize somebody for that. Like, I get that. But the accrued season is, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. So you want to be counted as if you played this whole season? So you can go in free agency next year if you're one year out? That's That seems a little shaky to me. Uh, so things to keep an eye on. You have been listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope that you have enjoyed tonight's show. Um, was supposed to be with Garrett Bush. We've got him rescheduled. He's back on the schedule. He's on the mend. Keep your thoughts uh, for him uh, so that he can get healthy uh, and uh, get back to his everyday life and everything. Uh, and uh, maybe we do a show over the weekend here, see what kind of guests we can grab and bring in here. Uh, it's all eyes on Cleveland. Mike, you've done a great job tonight on the ones and twos. Hope you enjoyed. We hit a lot of different topics. Um, and uh, this, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated, as you, if you can't tell, I'm fascinated by the NFL, the NFLPA stuff, but not so much like fascinated to a point like that 
it's not that fascinating. It's just that I want football so freaking bad that I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to pay close attention to it and stay on top of it just to be able to relay the basics or my impressions of what's happening. And I've been trying to do that through the articles over at the Browns Wire, and now when Tony Pauline was huge for us to get on the show, as he had, you know, some inside information there, and then now tonight, just kind of going over where we're at as they're going to get some voting done tomorrow. We'll hopefully get some of these proposals pushed through um, as we are just, oh man, eight days away from rookies reporting to camp. It should be the 24th. Uh, 28 would be for the uh, entire roster and uh, another issue there probably asking teams asking uh, or the league asking probably won't be mandated uh, but to maybe get their rosters down to like 80 so you may see some uh, fat trends before even stepping in the door just easier to manage when you're talking numbers-wise. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. I am Brad Ward. That is Mikey on the ones and twos. Hope you enjoyed. We are out. Tell me what you know about the night terrors every night. 5 a.m. cold sweats waking up to the sky. Tell me what you know about dreams, dreams. Tell me what you know about night terrors, nothing. You don't really care about the trials of tomorrow. Rather lay awake in the bed full of sorrow. I'm on the pursuit of happiness, I know. Shine ain't always gonna be gold hey, I'll be fine once I get it I'll be good I'm on the pursuit of happiness And I know everything is shine ain't always gonna be gold hey, I'll be fine once I get it I'll be good Always go. I'll be fine once I get it. I'll be good. good.